0: guys what the freaking heck is up is it snowing where you are because it is 100 snowing where i am and it has been snowing for the past five days um i'm gonna go ahead and answer my question for for myself yes it's snowing where you are because the world is in a doozy right now um a climate crisis you could say um joe biden get it together I just. I'm over the snow. I love snow. I do love snow. I love winter more than I love summer. But, um, this winter gal is ready for some sunshine. My vitamin D meter is down through the floor. Um, but today, it's a great day because why? Um, we're here to talk about murder. So, today. I am crocheting um, the same checkered cardigan that I've been working on for the past like two months. Yeah. She's still here. Um, she's not finished. I I told everybody that I'd be finished this week. It's not going to happen. I need to get more yarn. Of course, my upstairs neighbors start walking around right now. Of course. Because why, why wouldn't they? Um, but I've gotten a lot farther on the cardigan, so I'm not too upset about it. Um, I just have to put the sleeves on and then the border. And I ran a poll on my, um, Instagram yesterday about which border I should do because I was originally going to match this photo of this kitchen from the 1920s and do like a mint green slash seafoam green border with red buttons. And then after I got it like kind of put together in the vest that it's in right now, I was like, oh wait, um... I don't think I like that anymore so I ran a poll and I asked if I should do the green border with the buttons a black border with white buttons or a white border with black buttons and I'm not going to tell you which guys won or which one won not going to tell you guys which one won but I will tell you it was not the green with the red so keep an eye out it'll be done I, I, I think it'll be done by next week if I get yarn before Saturday um it should be done this weekend but I don't think I'm going to get yarn before Saturday, um, but yeah, so um, we're crocheting that during this episode. Also, I bought a desk, um, and I still need a microphone, but I bought a desk, and it's going to be here today, and I was hoping that it would be here before I had to record, but it, it's, it just wasn't, so it'll be coming sometime tonight, and I'll build it, and I'll post a photo, and um, I don't have a desk chair for it yet, but I have a bar stool, so I'll be using that for a while. Um, until I get a desk share. But, you know, like I said, I'm a broke college student. Um, I don't have the money to be buying all these things. But once my podcast, um, not to talk about, like, money and stuff. But once my podcast reaches, like, like, right now I'm at $15. Um, and the microphone I'm looking at is 25 So once it once it reaches 25 then I'll get the microphone with that. Um, but... Yeah. So still need a microphone. Got a desk coming in today. Um talking I'm not gonna tell you what we're talking about yet. I'm not done yet. Um so I right now am at like hundred and fifty something followers on my Instagram, I think. I should have looked before I did this. Um, but when I get to two hundred, I think I'm going to do another giveaway. Um, so keep a lookout for that. Jenna, my friend, um, best friend, she owns the J. Ray Designs business and she does, like, custom-made, um, cups. I don't know what they're called. They're the ones where they, like, put the cool colors on them and, like, clear coat it. I should have done my research. Oh, my God. Um, she also does custom-made sweatshirts. She did these really cute Super Bowl sweatshirts and she made this really cute, like, white claw Christmas sweatshirt um I had her make Matthew a Raven's cup and today just before I recorded this episode she um in the mail I got my one second I got my um cup from her that I ordered and it's a yellow cup that fades into black and it says psychologist juice and then it has the fhsu tiger on the other side and i'm so excited to use it um because i need a new coffee cold brew cup duh um no i don't but i'm supporting her business and it's really freaking cute so yes if you need a cup or sweatshirt made um hit her up and she does more than just that but that's like what i really like from her um Okay, did I cover all my bases? I think I did. I I talked about a desk, I talked about a microphone, I talked about what I'm crocheting today, I talked about a possible giveaway. Okay, now I can tell you what we're doing. Um, We are going to talk today about cases that changed laws. And I am so excited excited about this because I love, like, um, legal things. Um, Like I said before, I have no idea what it is. That's why I'm going to be a criminal psychologist, not a forensic psychologist, because I don't know laws. Um, but like these cases are cool because although it sucks and like people died, um, something good came out of it. If something good can come out of that, you know what I mean. You're like me, you know what I mean. Like these cases created guidelines so that other people wouldn't have to go through the same things. Um, so yeah, today we're gonna talk about cases that changed laws. And there's only like four or five, I think, that I did, um, but they're pretty lengthy. So, we're going to get into that. Here we go. Grab grab your project, grab your coffee, if you're listening to this in the morning, um, and if you're listening to it at night, grab your coffee. I don't judge. Um, get a snack, get a blanket, settle down. Let's go. Okay. Obviously, this wouldn't be a um, Cases That Changed Laws episode if I did not talk about Adam Walsh. So, how I'm gonna do this is I'm gonna read off the name, um, read their little like a little background on their case, um, and then I'll tell you about the law. So it's not gonna be a super in-depth case run-up, you know, Um, but I mean it'll tell you enough for you to know what what happened to the person. So, on July twenty seventh, nineteen eighty one, Adam Walsh was kidnapped from a Sears store in Florida. Sixteen days later, his decapitated head would be found. Adam was born on November 14, 1974, and was six at the time of his murder, and on the afternoon of July 27th, 1981, Reve Walsh, Adam's mother, took him shopping with her to the mall in Hollywood, Florida. While Reve was looking at some lamps on sale, she left Adam at a kiosk where some other boys were playing with the Atari games that were on display. While Reve was occupied with the lamps, the boys at the kiosk had become too loud for security guards' liking and demanded that the boys exit the store. The security guard asked the older boys if their parents were there and they informed him that the parents were not around and Adam was far too shy to speak to the security guard so it was assumed that he was with the older boys even though his mom was just inside the store. Revae returned to the kiosk where she had left her son to find out that he was not there and after flagging down the store manager, he was infor- she was informed of the situation and went to the exit to see that Adam was not there either. Um, After discovering this, Revae had the store manager announce over the public address system and continued to look for him, and after about 90 minutes of searching and public address pages that failed to find him, uh, she called the police. Sadly though, on August 10th, a severed head was found in a drainage canal along the Florida Turnpike near Vero Beach, Um, I think I'm saying that right, Vero, Vero Beach? This was one hundred and thirty miles away from Hollywood, Florida. So driver or er, divers searched the canal in hopes to find more remains. And John, Adam's father, and Reve, uh appeared on national television saying that they still hoped that Adam was alive. A one hundred thousand dollar reward was posted, but soon after the remains were identified as Adam's and the coroner ruled the cause of death as asphy- asphyxiation, which is like strangulation i mean it's like you die because you can't breathe um and the state of the remains suggested that adam had died several days before the discovery of his head and the rest of his body was never located um adam's parents believed that the hollywood de- police department botched the treatment of adam's disappearance and after some investigation police concluded that he was abducted by Otis Toole near the front exterior of the store that afternoon according to tool He lured him into his white 1971 Cadillac with the promises of toys and candy and then drove towards Jacksonville, Florida. He claimed that Adam was calm at first, but when he started to panic, Tool punched him in the face and this obviously made the situation worse and according to Tool, he beat him unconscious. And while he was unconscious, Tool strangled him to death with the seatbelt, dragged him out of the car, and decapitated him with a machete. Um, Tool also claimed that he disposed of the rest of the body by incinerating it in an old refrigerator when he returned home. I don't know what that means and I don't want to look up what that means. I know it means like burning it, but I don't I don't want to know how. You know, I'd rather just keep my brain clear of that image. Uh, he claimed that he wanted to make Adam his adopted son, but it didn't work out. The police ended up losing the bloodstained carpet from Tool's car, the machete in which he allegedly used to decapitate Adam. And, eventually, the car itself. Um, how how do we do that? How do we lose things like that? Um, yeah, so no one was ever charged with Adam's murder. Because Tool ended up recanting the statement. Um, if you don't know who Otis Tool is, or Henry Lee Lucas, um, look them up. They're liars. Uh, and they confessed to a lot of murders that they didn't do. So... Um, although this case is tragic and terrible, a few good things came from it. The film Adam premiered on October 10th, 1983, and it was based on his kidnapping and murder, and it attracted 38 million viewers on its first airing. It was aired three different times. Um, and a hotline was also created to take calls regarding missing children that were shown at the end of the th- at the end of the film. Like when the credits are rolling, they showed um current missing children. And 13 of the 55 children shown were located, including the rapper Busy Bone, who was abducted by his stepfather as a child. Um, plus, in 1984, Congress passed the Missing Children's Assistance Act, which um, eventually formed the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which you guys have probably heard about if you're really into true crime. Um, that sounded so sarcastic. So if you're really into true crime, you would hear about bah- that. No, just like if you've heard about it you've probably heard about it um adam's case also created the code adam program which helps children who are lost in stores and other public places to get them back to their parents quickly and safely so if you're ever in like walmart or um at like a carnival or something and you hear code adam over the speakers that means that there's a child missing or there's a like a family that has a child missing um so either they have the child or they don't have the child. Um, Code Adam was actually first used by a Walmart in the 90s. Um, you might also recognize the name John Walsh because he went on to create the and host um, America's Most Wanted, which is a show I watched far too often when I was way too young to be watching it. Um, and maybe that's why I am the way that I am today, but I don't think I'm that upset about it, so... He also wrote many books about grieving and criminal justice and stuff. So, that's the Adam Walsh case. Um, Although I don't want to blame that security guard that kicked them out and didn't, like, rightfully put them back with their parents. Adam was so young. He was six. Like, when I was six, I would not have told a security guard, like, my mom's inside. Like, it just shows me how much people did not give a single I'm not gonna cuss a single crap about um kids back then they literally thought that kids were just like yep fend for yourself like dude Mm. I don't know but that's that's the Adam Walsh case um I posted something on my Instagram when I finished uh researching this episode and I was talking about how I had to take a ton of breaks while researching this. Like, this should have taken me one night to research, and it took me three, because I kept having to take breaks, because police work was really getting to me. Um, the people that are supposed to be there to protect us, you know, back then didn't do so well, still does, they still don't do so well. Um, but it's like, who do you, who do you call when your case is being mishandled? Um, you can't call the people that are mishandling your case. You know? Um, so yeah, we're gonna take a second. I'm gonna take a drink of coffee, and we're gonna come back and talk about Amber Hagerman. Oh god, do you ever make coffee, and then you forget how long it's been since you made it, and you go to take a drink of it, and it's cold? I swear the texture changes when it's cold, too. Okay, anyways, Amber Hagerman, um... Amber was a 9-year-old girl living in Arlington, Texas, and she was in Girl Scouts. And she loved to ride bicycles with her 5-year-old brother, Ricky. Um, Sadly, on January thirteenth, 1996, Amber rode her bike into the parking lot of an abandoned grocery store. And a man in a black pickup truck got out, forcibly took Amber off her bike, and stuffed her into the truck. As she was screaming and kicking at her abductor, Jimmy Kevel turned to see what the noise was and he ended up being the only one to witness the kidnapping take place. Um, thankfully he called the police shortly after and despite more than 50 police officers and federal agents looking for Amber, they did not find her alive. Um, quick side note because I know that this is a serious situation but my neighborhood friend growing up, um, we used to walk around this church parking lot that she lived by and, um, Like, it was in the neighborhood, but it was definitely, like, out of our parents' sight. Um, but one time, these teenagers in this truck were messing with us. They were, like, speeding by us and, like, just yelling things that you should not have yelled at, like, nine-year-olds. But we ran home and told her dad, because it was genuinely scary, like, having some 16-year-old rev his engine at us and, and laugh and, like, yell things. But her dad was, like, this big dude. Like, he was scary, but he was, like, a dad. Um... He literally grabbed his gun and got in his truck and chased him out of the neighborhood and it was insane, Um, but amazing. So, I don't want to say names, but if you're that friend and you're listening, your dad's a hero. Um, I don't think you're listening, but whatever. Um, Okay, back to the actual serious stuff. So, five days after the abduction, Amber's body was found in a creek around like four miles from the parking lot where it all took place um her throat was cut and authorities think that a thunderstorm swept her body into the creek because maintenance workers hadn't seen anything um like the couple days before the storm and the day of the storm so they think the water just like swept her into that creek and not that the killer had put her there um Amber's parents Donna Woodson and Richard Hagerman were in disbelief when the officers told them about the news um they had always held out hope for their daughter And, like, her coming back alive. Um, And Amber's father even told reporters that she was still alive when the police left their house after telling them that she wasn't alive. Which is so sad to me. And I know that that's, like, a form of grieving. Like, the denial. My computer just tried to update while I was in the middle of this. No, remind me later, sir. You just took away my document. Thank you. Um, But yeah i know that's like a stage of grieving where it's like you just deny 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 and it's not there and it didn't happen and all that but like that's so sad to think that he was like oh yeah no she's alive she's still alive like they hoped so much and that's so sad um to this day the murderer has not been found um detectives in arlington receive tips that they follow but it never leads them to an answer Um, And shortly after Amber's funeral, Diane Simone, a mom herself, called into a local radio station. Um, She figured if local media sent out weather alerts, they could do the same for abducted children. Uh, When the National Weather Service issues an alert for severe weather, it interrupts the TV and radio broadcasts while making a loud noise, so why not do the same for children? After that, the Amber Alert was born. In since and since 1996, the Amber Alert system named after Amber Hagerman has been nationwide. So, when you, the next time your phone makes that loud, scary noise um and you see the words Amber Alert, know that it came from this young girl's case and yeah, it sucks that, you know, people had to die for people to care about kids, but now you know. So next we'll talk about Ernesto Miranda. Um, and you can probably assume what Miranda is. This one's really short. Um, because it's, it's I mean, it's 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 a serious c- Oh my god, did I just have a stroke? I think I did. It's a serious case, but like, it's not, there's not that much depth to it. So on March 2nd, 1963, an 18-year-old woman from Phoenix told police that she had been und- abducted and raped. And police tracked down a car that matched the description she gave and found a man who had previous, um, had a previous record as a peeping Tom, but nothing more. And not nothing more as in peeping Toms aren't serious. They definitely are and you're disgusting if you're peeping Tom, but that's like all that he had on his record. Um, Ernesto Miranda was arrested in 1966 on suspicion of robbery, kidnapping, and rape, And during the police interrogation, he confessed to committing the crimes, but that conviction was eventually overturned due to intimidation tactics. Love that. Um, Yeah, I'm going to smack you on the back of the head until you tell me you murdered that woman, and then I'll stop. Yep. Um, Miranda rights were created to prevent things like this from happening in the future, and by, by law, these rights must be clearly stated during an arrest in the United States. So the next time you hear, um, you have the right to remain silent, everything you say can and will be used against you. Um, I used to have that memorized. I don't have it memorized anymore, but that's, yeah, that's what that is. So, there you go. This next, um, case is the Megan Kanka case. I don't know if it's Kanka or Kanka. Kanka sounds better in my brain, um, I should have looked it up. That's my bad. How many times? Take a shot every time I say I should have looked that up. Because it's way too much. And I should be better. But I'm not. Um, But Megan was born on December 7th, 1986. And was 7 years old at the time of her murder. On July 29th, 1994. Jesse Timondakos. Timondakos. Once again. Should have looked that up. Um, Jesse. T lured Megan into his house, raped her, and then killed her by strangulation with a belt. Afterwards, he put her body in the Mercer County Park in New Jersey, and the next day, he led police to her body after confessing that he had murdered her. Um, the evidence that was found included hair, bloodstains, and fiber samples, as well as a bite mark matching Megan's teeth on Jesse's hand. This all led to a guilty verdict on charges of kidnapping, four counts of aggravated sexual assault, and two counts of felony murder, the court sentenced him to death, and the sentence was upheld by the New Jersey Supreme Court. Um, Jesse remained on New Jersey's death row until December seventeenth, that's my sister's birthday, uh, two thousand seven, when New Jersey's death penalty was abolished, and as a result of this, he was given li- given life in prison without the possity, oh my gosh, possibility of parole instead of death. So, Jesse Timendakis, I uh, don't know how to say his name, um, had two previous convictions for sexually assaulting young girls. In 1979, he pleaded guilty to the att- attempted aggravated sexual assault of a five-year-old girl in Piscataway Township, New Jersey, and he was given a suspended sentence after failing to attend counseling. Um, so he was sent for nine months to the Middlesex Adult Correctional Center, and in 1981, he pleaded guilty to the assault of a seven-year-old girl and was imprisoned at the Adult Diagnostic and Treatment Center in Avenal, New Jersey, for six years. Um, so, grade A creep. Uh, yeah. People like this, you know, I- I don't support the death penalty, I don't think, but people like this deserve to- rot um you can decide where they want to rot in your own mind but uh a month after megan's murder the new jersey general assembly passed a bill that would require sex offender registry with a database tracked by the state um community notification of registered sex offenders moving into the neighborhood and then life in prison for repeat sex offenders uh this law is known as megan's law and it was thought that megan would still be alive today if the bill was passed before um, there's also the Megan Nicole Kinka Foundation, which is a nonprofit charity founded by the family with the intent of preventing crimes against children. So, when you, um, if you Google, like, sex offenders in my area, you can get a map view of where sex offenders live in your neighborhood, and, like, if you want to do that and scare yourself, go ahead. Um, I think it's a good tool when... I was in 7th grade, a a couple of friends and I um, looked up, like, the sex offenders in our neighborhood while we were at school, and I thought that there were laws that they couldn't live within a certain mile radius of the school, but they definitely lived right next to the school. Um, So, although this is a good law, I also think that the guidelines need to be changed, because... I know people, um, that have been forced to register as sex offenders for just, like, being drunk in public and, like, say they were, like, peeing on a bush or something, um, and they had their genitals exposed, they would then have to register as sex offenders, which I don't think is right. Um, yeah, don't have your stuff out in public, but, like, they didn't sexually offend anyone I, I, I don't know I don't know if what it just said was problematic but I think that the guidelines need to be changed but I also think that this is a really good law to have um to make sex offenders register you know creeps are creeps um especially this dude he was a major creep um but yeah so that was Megan's law um so next is poly class claus claus um excuse me indigestion diarrhea um this one i went more in depth into because the polyclaus claus i don't know i should have researched it um this case is really intense and uh this one i had to take so many breaks while researching because it's so frustrating you don't even know just wait um if you had any faith in police back then, you shouldn't have because of this case. So we're gonna take a second, um, and then we'll get right into this. Okay. Polyklos Klaus. Klaus Klaus Klaas, Klaus Poly Klaus. Poly-Klaus. It's K-L-A-A-S, and I've heard it so many different ways, but I'm gonna say Klaas because that in my german mind sounds better but i don't think it is oh god okay polly polly k was born on january 3rd 1981 and was 12 years old at the time of her murder on october 1st 1993 polly and two friends were having a slumber party um their mom polly's mom was in the house but she was in the living room um around 10:30 p.m. Richard Allen Davis entered the bedroom carrying a knife. Uh I think he came in like through one of the back doors and the mom just didn't hear him. Um but he tied both of the friends up and put pillowcases over their heads and told them to count to 1,000 before he took Polly and took off. Um He told them to count to 1,000 before they took the pillowcases off their heads. Uh and that's when he took Polly and left. But they uh did not wait for them to reach 1,000 they just as soon as they heard him leave they got up and ran which good job 12 year olds um but for the next two months after that over 4,000 people helped search for Polly. tv shows including America's Most Wanted from Adam Walsh's father cover hair kidnapping and an APB which is kind of like an alert system um with the suspects information was broadcasted within the first 30 minutes of the kidnapping uh but here's when the bad police work starts so they put it on the sonoma county sheriff's channel instead of the channel that would reach all of the sonoma county police officers so only the sheriff received that description um and of course he didn't feel like he needed to share it because he thought oh it's it's reaching everyone that's how it works um so yeah And that'll come into play in a second. Just, just wait. Um, in the rural area of Santa Rosa, about 20 miles away from Petaluma, where Polly was kidnapped, a babysitter was on her way home and she noted a suspicious vehicle stuck in the ditch on her employer's private driveway, um, which means that no cars except for the cars that the owner would know of should be there. Um, so she called the property owner who decided to leave with her daughter and as she drove down the long driveway, she passed Davis. Yeah. So she called 911, and when she reached a gas station, the um, two two deputies from the station were dispatched. And the deputies didn't know of the kidnapping or the suspect's description because it was broadcasted on the wrong channel. Um, yeah. So the deputies ran Davis's license plate um, and his driver's license itself but they came back with no wants or warrants. Of course they didn't. Even though he just... yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, the deputies tried to convince the property owner to perform a citizen's arrest for trespassing um, since under California law, a citizen has the right to make an arrest for this type of misdemeanor. But the owner would have to go to the car with the deputies and say, I arrest you. The owner refused. Um... I can't say I blame her. I I wouldn't really want to go to someone face-to-face and be like, I arrest you. It's not that intense. Do your job. Um, the deputies then called for a tow truck to get Davis's car out of the ditch, and they searched it thoroughly before the arrival of the tow truck and didn't find any evidence of another person in the car. Uh, the only possible violation would have been the open container of beer, but because Davis wasn't driving at the time of the deputy's contact, it wasn't illegal. Hmm. Hmm. Before he was allowed to leave, Davis was instructed to pour out the beer, and a field interrogation card was filed. Thankfully. <laughs> if they could do one thing, they did that. Um, On November 28th, 1993... The property owner was inspecting her property after loggers had cleared the trees, and she discovered some items that made her think that they might have matched those used in the kidnapping. Of course. Oh my god. I swear, I only have voice problems when I'm recording. Um, and now I lost my place. She called the police to report her discovery, and deputies and crime scene investigators were dispatched. A pair of torn ballet leggings were found, which perfectly matched a sample of the exact leggings at the scene of the kidnapping. So, a review of calls in that area that day turned up the contact with Davis, um, who had only been identified because of the field interrogation card. Yeah. Once the identity was revealed, his palm print at the scene of the crime was also traced to him. So, the Sonoma County Sheriff's Department, in cooperation with the Petaluma Police and the FBI, launched a search of the property, and the first two days were kept as silent as possible since Davis was still under surveillance in Ukiah, California. Um, When nothing was found during the initial search, the decision was made to arrest him for the kidnapping of Polly. While Davis was being interrogated, a massive search was launched, and over 500 search team members from 24 different agencies, coming as far away as Nevada, were involved. The search remains today as one of the largest ever conducted in California, and it it produced other items of evidence, but it did not reveal any human remains. So, the search was planned to continue for the third day, but on the night of the second day, Davis confessed to the kidnapping and murder of Polly and led investigators to her body, um he ended up burying her in a shallow grave just off of highway 101 about a mile from Cloverdale, California and this was only 30 miles from the search so had they gone 30 miles out they could have found her but obviously that's quite a ways um although he admitted to strangling Polly to death he refused to give uh, investigators a timeline of the night Um and this was thought, or I I don't I don't know why he refused to give a timeline. I guess he just still wanted to be in control. Um, but it was thought that he got scared when both the babysitter and the property owner passed him while he was on the side, um, of the road. And thinking that they would call the police, he killed Polly before the deputies arrived and hid her body in the thick brush where his car was stuck. Um, so it, it very, it's very possible that while the deputies were standing there talking to him, Polly's body was 10 feet away from them. Um, he then waited for a while after being towed to drive back and retrieve her body. Um, he was reportedly out of breath, sweaty, and had twigs in his hair when the deputies came out to him, but it was also believed that he might have chosen the gravesite in advance since it would not have been discovered by a casual observer. Um, but yeah, the fact that he was sweaty, out of breath, and covered in twigs, are you kidding me? I just, I, when I walk past someone that feels suspicious, I, I know that feeling. If you're a cop and you don't have that feeling, why are you a cop? Why are you a cop? I don't know. I don't know. This case makes me so mad. The police work is so bad. <sighs> After a long trial, Davis was convicted on June eighteenth, nineteen 1996 of first-degree murder and four special circumstances, which included robbery, burglary, kidnapping, and lewd a lewd act on a child. The jury returned with a verdict of death and at his formal... Oh my gosh, indigestion. I need to stop drinking coffee. Um. At his formal sentencing by a judge, Davis provoked the public with a taunting of his victim's family, extending both middle fingers at the courtroom camera and later saying that Polly's last words just before he killed her were that her father molested her. Uh, Davis was sentenced to death by lethal injection and is currently on death row in San Quentin State Prison in California. So, if you want to send hate mail... I did not tell you to wink wink. Um he has served or he has survived an overdose in prison and several attacks from other men inmates. Um and he now spends his days in solitary confinement because everybody wants him dead. So Winona Ryder the amazing, wonderful, spectacular actress was raised in Petaluma, California also, and she offered $200,000 in reward for Polly's um, safe return during the search. Uh, She also starred in Little Women after Polly's death and dedicated the film to her because it was said that Polly's favorite book was Little Women. Uh, Along with this, Polly's father, Mark, became a child advocate and established the Klaus Kids Foundation Foundation. Um, because of the broadcasting issued in Polly's case, the radio system used in California was changed, thank God, and training was conducted for those who would need to use it. Um, also on March 8th, 1994, the Streethox, huh? That's not even close to a word. The Three Strikes Law was signed. Um, that law requires both a severe violent felony and two other previous convictions to serve a mandatory life sentence in prison. Uh, the purpose of this law is to drastically increase the punishment of those convicted of more than two serious crimes. And this relates to Polly's case because Davis had committed multiple previous offenses, and had he been imprisoned for them, he might have not had the chance to become a killer. Um, so that's that's today's episode. Those are all of the... Um, cases that i mean all the cases those are all the cases that i covered that have changed laws but if you liked these kind of cases um i can definitely do more because i already have more saved and i think they're so interesting like i don't know i just think it's really cool that like we can change the way things work because they didn't work out the first time um some of these cases i feel like had should already have been a thing (laughs) so that we didn't have to have them happen but you know, if we can save some more lives, that'd be really cool. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's all. I don't know what else to say. I never know how to end these. Um, I hope you enjoyed. I will make, make, build my desk tonight when it comes in and I'll post a picture of it, but you'll have already seen that photo before I release today's episode. Um, because I'm, recording us on thursday morning and the desk comes tonight and this episode releases friday morning um you guys know but yeah i'll i'll post a picture of the desk and it's cute little setup um i still need to get a chair for it still need to get a microphone um but you know we're just here we're just chilling um yeah i hope you have a good day uh, Whether it's morning, afternoon, evening, night. Um, stay warm. It's so cold. And these power outages are ridiculous. Like, I understand why they're happening, but it's ridiculous. Um, We should be more uh, adapted to this cold weather by now. And it's only going to get worse because the planet is dying. Because us humans can't do things right. Um this is a murder podcast not a singing podcast okay you know i just want you guys to lock your doors and not talk to creepy men and stay warm that's all that's all i'm asking goodbye oh i did not end it goodbye